Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your girl, Ayana. And this is your boy, Daniel, welcoming you to Above the Noise. On this podcast, we talk to creatives, entrepreneurs, and changemakers about how they manage to stay above the noise during the pursuit of their dreams. Noise is a sound, especially one that is loud, that causes disturbance. On this episode, we talk to Rivan Calderin, who you might also know as Rivan C. He is a rapper, a singer, and a poet. Growing up as the son of a DJ exposed him to a number of genres of music, all of which have played a direct role in his songwriting process and in his personal beliefs. He gets his inspiration from so-called old-school artists such as A Tribe Called Quest and Nas, while new-school musicians such as Amine and Brock Hampton also inspire Ravon to take contemporary advances in his rhythm and flow. His latest project, I Got the Juice, dropped late last year, so make sure you guys stream it on all platforms. So let's let's get right into it. I think everyone might be a little surprised to know that you're from Vermont. Um, rap yeah. is probably the last thing that comes to mind when I think about Vermont. Yeah, in Burlington. Um, and so, are are we sleep on on like a rap movement that is happening in Vermont, or or what's going on there? I think so. I don't know. I mean, there's definitely not a lot of major artists that you know, like there's no little baby from Vermont or. Lil Uzi or whoever Lil is like big, big like that. But there's a lot of good um, musicians here. And I think that because there's not a lot of popular music success here yet, um, it really pushes the artists here to work on the craft more than the popularity. But we've had a good amount of people um, from Vermont. There's this group called 99 Neighbors um, that are out of Vermont. They're They're signed to like Warner Brothers or some some record label like that um and they've been doing some really good good stuff they have a they've been putting out some stuff recently and then you know there's i don't know there's a lot of indie bands here and and rock bands which isn't like obviously that's not hip-hop music but um everyone works in collaboration so it's really cool so it sounds like there's a a solid like music scene at least yeah i mean burlington like the the capital or like is it like the like the kansas city of Missouri, like where i am (laughs) (laughs) there's um montpelier is the capital of vermont and um there's some i know there's some rappers out there my friend um rob makes music i think he lives in burlington now but he's from there um and this girl katie but um what i was saying about like there's indian rock bands what you'll find is whenever i mean when we used to do the shows i would do basement shows there'd be like two rappers. It'd be like me and my boy Asa or my boy Jacob or whoever. And then the rest of the people would just be like rock bands. So we do shows. I'd hop on, do some trap shit, get people moshing. Then like a punk band would come in and then they get really moshing. And then someone else come do some trap songs. So obviously it'd be cool if there was more rap artists here, but I think that for what we're working with, it works really well. Yeah. That's really, really cool. That's kind of unique from a lot of the, um, well, I would say rap scenes in like uh, cities more so like Atlanta or here in Chicago. Like I was having this talk recently with somebody else, but the music scene as far as like um, how everybody kind of helps each other propel um, either through shows or kind of putting them on with opportunities is not the same in like Atlanta. Like Atlanta, 
rappers click together kind of yeah. like everybody wants to help everybody and i kind of like that about a lot of music aspects especially in vermont too because i did not know that but chicago we're kind of like the polar opposite i hate to say it so much talent but not enough where like our genres a lot of people are in the same genre but not a lot of people mesh well together and that's due to a lot of different other factors but yeah. i like the I like the um, idea of you guys collabing um, and really kind of like keeping the same vibe up. So that's dope because I've never heard about that. Yeah, it's fun out here. Once COVID is is done with, y'all should come out to one of my shows. It's some fun. We get <laughs> okay. rowdy. Basement shows? What's a basement show? So a basement show is what it sounds like. I mean, I live in a house. Be in the basement? We, I have a basement <laughs> <laughs> and you just cram as many people as you can in there and it gets mad rowdy because I don't, I'm sure like both of you have been to shows before, like what's a typical, what do you go to a venue? Like where do you, where do you go to see like, if like a college student wanted to do a show, what would you, where would you go? Where like an we, open night or open we, mic or where something? Where we have went, Dan? Before, I mean, when we were in college, it was probably like that record store. The uh, record store? It was like a record store. But I know my friends here in Kansas City, like, I've never heard of like a rap basement underground thing. I've just heard of like mosh pits and like. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> we well, like a lounge or something. Yeah. I think there are, there are some places like that here in Burlington. There's a place called Radio Bean that it's like open mic. There's like a little stage, but the best part about a basement show is you're on the same level as everyone. There's no stage. It's just a floor. And then it's a fucking basement. So the ceiling is like right here. And you can have, I've done shows like when I first started where there'd literally be like 10 people to watch me for like a 30 minute set. But like, because the room is so small and so short, it's like an unmatched energy. I don't know. Like I've done, I've done big venues before with a high stage, like a 500 person room. Everyone's filled. Those shows are like amazing, but something about the basement show, there's just so much like concentrated energy that just gets let out like all in one 30 minute set. It's pretty awesome. I was going to ask, like, that's kind of like an intimacy type of thing. It's kind of like, reminds me of like Tiny Desk, how everybody's yeah. kind of like super close to each other, same ground level, but it's real chill and you kind no, of... No, it is. Yeah. yeah. And except it's like Tiny Desk, but there's not, <laughs> it's in a, like, not in a weird white person's office, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like in whoever's basement, you know? That's dope. Yeah. So, um... Dan told me a little bit about how um, your dad was a DJ or is a mm -hmm. DJ and that's influenced um, a lot of, well, influenced how your um, music style came about, how you kind of got influenced and started with music. Um, we wanted to know, do you have like a specific moment um, where you remember like, yeah, music is what I want to do, like poetry or sp spoken word as well as like that being a moment where you're like, I, that's really solidified what I want to do. Well, there's, I think there's two moments that really shaped everything. One being, I think I was in sixth grade. My dad showed me Tribe Called Quest. Um, I don't know if either of you have listened to them, but they're like a 90s hip hop group. Um, before that, like I had listened to hip hop, like I was a big Kanye fan, but I didn't really like, I was young. So it was like, if someone asked me, what do you listen to? I'd be like, I don't know the radio, you know? <laughs> um, 
But when I listened to Tribe, like it really just changed the way I, I saw the entire world. Like from that moment on, everything I saw was just like hip hop, like, oh, that's hip hop or that's not hip hop, you know? Um, which sounds kind of corny, but like, I don't know how else to explain it. Like, it just really changed the way I saw everything and the way how I presented myself and what I thought was cool and what I wanted to be. Um, and then later on when I was um, like a sophomore in high school, um, this guy came to our, our school our in our English class, this guy, Rajni, who I shouted out on a couple tracks. Um, he taught us poetry, you know, and like, obviously you do poetry before that, but like he really encouraged the students to build the energy, like get up and perform in front of the class or just like write what it, whatever you're feeling in any style that you want. And he came and I wrote something really quick and he, and he liked it. So he invited me to uh, one of his shows at radio being the place I was talking about. Yeah. Um, and I watched his set. I really liked it. He had me come on. I did a couple poems and you know, got snaps. He was like, okay, okay. <laughs> um, and then he just started putting me on um, these uh, people of color showcases because Vermont is like mad white. Um, and there's a lot of like white people that are cool, but like we a heard, lot of white poets that are like, heard, we heard about Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's like a lot of white people that will like come out to poetry shows and sort of do this like super like emotional set which is cool sometimes it's like mad corny though um so the the people of color shows would always get way more attendance than the just a normal shows because i mean we're black brown we know how to do our thing like we get up on the stage we kill it every time um so i would do that and then it like i would do poetry in front of large audiences and it would really build up my confidence i was like damn like when you perform in front of someone and you kill it, there's no better feeling than that. Like the one thing about the the pandemic that is killing me is like, that was my high. Like I would get up on stage and I would perform and it would literally get me high. Like the adrenaline boost, everything, it was the best. So I ended up, um, I would do poetry and then I would slowly just do raps as poetry, you know? Cause I like rhyming poetry. Like, I don't know. I feel like when I do just like stuff that doesn't rhyme, it just sounds too whimsical or something like that. So I would do a lot of, I would just do my raps as um, poems. And ever since then, I've just been like doing shit on beats. I don't really do much poetry anymore, but um, I've been making music for about like four or five years now since then. So it sounds it sounds like you had a very good uh, foundation of not only just the variety of music, right? Like growing up with your dad being a DJ and being around yeah. so much, like you identifying what is hip hop, what is not, right? And setting yeah. that foundational value. Um, and then also going into poetry and writing, uh, which I think is two, it can be two different things, right? Like learning how to write your own stuff and then also understanding what makes up hip hop or a genre. Um, yeah. So we were wondering, like, what was the first song you wrote and what inspired it or what? What was that moment so, like when you sat down? <laughs> so the first song I wrote was called um, School Song. Um, it's, it sucks. Like, it's such a bad song. But I wrote um, 
it over a J. Cole beat because I was super in. When I when I first started getting into writing, like I was like, oh, I'm going to be this super lyrical, like educated rapper. Like I love, you know, like J. Cole, he's like super heavy with this bar sometimes. I would have definitely made J. Cole my first one too. Cause yeah. He's it. He's it. Yeah. And I think it was good to start with that style because like it just teaches you the sort of foundations of rap music, you know? Um, granted, I would never play like sad J. Cole music at the club because everyone would start crying, but um, it was good to start learning that way. So the first song I made was called School Song, not very creative. It was just like a song about me like shitting on the public education system. I like hated going to high school. Like I'm in college now. Like I don't even really like college that much. I just hate homework and being told what to do. <laughs> so I sort of made a song that was like, oh, they don't really care about what we're doing here. Like they don't talk to us about our future or anything like that. They just want us to come in, do what they tell us to do, then get us the fuck out of here. So I made that song and I performed it at my school talent show sophomore year in front of like, it was packed. It was mad packed. Like, I think it was like 300, 400 people were in the audience, which was crazy because, I mean, it's a talent show. So like anytime anyone performs anything, everyone's like, yeah, you did great. So I was like, oh, I just killed that shit. Looking back, like, I think you can just find it on YouTube. It's so ass, but <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. But like, I would do shows after that and there would be like a low attendance. I was like, damn. I had that one big show and like, ah, oh, when is it going to come again? <laughs> it took so long for it to get back to that point. But I kind of set myself up for failure a little bit. I mean, it was a talent show. Like, can't really get like a more natural audience than that. <laughs> no, that's cool though. Um, what was I going to say about your first song? Yeah. Man. I was, I, I don't know. I'm actually very, very glad that you actually took that leap because not a lot of people will take that leap to actually write their first anything. I know for me, especially especially with us for this podcast, like we knew like our first show wasn't going to be it. Yeah. We look back at it and it was like, yeah, could have did way better. That actually sucked. I don't know why so many people listen to it, <laughs> but that's how it really is. Like, and I really think that's the beauty of kind of like being a creative in like our respective fields, especially with you um, and writing and like us and podcasting and stuff like that. Anything that's your first is going to suck. Yeah. But that's what you have to go off of, of experience and um, consistently creating, like having something to always kind of go back to. And then once you see kind of like where you kind of came from, that appreciation for where you are right now, like you just be like, wow. For sure. I think one thing that really messed me up was I've always really idolized celebrities. Um, and like you look at these celebrities and they're just like killing it. Like, I don't know why, but for some reason, I thought I would release this song over a J. Cole beat and then J. Cole would just like up and sign me, even though it's the worst thing of all time. Like, <laughs> I know that's un like, it's not realistic, but I don't know, you know? Like, yeah. I think anytime you release something, you have this thought in the back of your mind, like this deep hope that like, oh, this will get me, it'll blow me up, you know? Yeah. There, you know, do you listen to Kali Uchis at all? Hell yeah. You listen to Callie? Yo, yeah. did you know her first song, um, Loner? Uh -huh. Or like, 
dude, that song, the first song she ever made just blew her up. And like, she started working with Tyler, like, and I saw that I was like, yo, I can do that. Like I'll release one song and I'll get signed to like <laughs> top dog or like some crazy record label. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I still feel down like, the line. <laughs> I feel like in our culture now though, like we need to have that mentality. Like, and I think it pushes us to be better, like in whatever we do. Yeah. But also like, I mean, it has happened for people, like as much as a stretch, yes. you know, like Kali Uchis was from Colombia and she was like in Chicago and then randomly, like randomly started posting music on YouTube and Tyler, the creator came across her. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's crazy. Cause it, yeah. I'm hoping you know, for my, my one breakout moment it still hasn't come yet but every, who knows maybe it'll be this podcast <laughs> that's that's a good mentality to have though like any yeah. everything you release which i think your body of work so far like you know we'll get into that um is very creative and you are setting your own tone for what you want to do yeah um and so you know what when whenever you think of your music or your writing or a beat how do you process bringing it into a visual thing, whether it's a video or a picture on Instagram um, or, you know, your latest like release and photo shoot, like everything seems to be very crafted in a creative way. I think that um, the visuals is just like, that's honestly the most challenging part um, because I'm a musician the visuals I kind of have to leave up to other people. That's when the collaboration kicks in. Um, like I wish I could get to that point where I do would be doing my own videos, my own album covers, my own photo shoots, but like, it's kind of unrealistic to some extent. I've done my own covers in the past, like the teenager Paul volume two, I made the cover for that. Um, and a couple other ones, but it just takes up a lot, a lot of time, you know, like if I want to be the best at rapping and I want to learn how to make beats and mix and master, where am I going to find the time to do video editing and like website design and all this shit, you know? Um, when I'm writing songs, a lot of the time lyric content, when you rap, I mean, rap, when you make a rap, you're a million things, you know, because it's like, not just singing where it's like super extended. You're saying tons of stuff in two minutes. So whenever I rap, I'm sort of laying out this story or these visuals that I'm like, oh, if I'm saying, oh, for example, jumped up in this bitch and I'm kicking it all over. Like I could think in the music video, I hop into frame. There's like, I don't know, a huge cardboard cutout of myself and I just kick myself down. like just random shit, whatever comes up naturally. I think like taking inspiration is super key. Um, if you read my lyrics, there's literally like a million movie references, a million song references. Like I just love taking culture and sort of recycling it and like deconstructing it, sort of like a collage, you know, and then putting it out. So the visuals just sort of like flow naturally from that. Um, and a big part of it is just like, my dad is super into arts and like has put me on really cool shit and social media is a great way to find like really cool visuals. The music video I did and the photo shoot within the, the red suit I'm wearing, um, 
I've kind of just like taken that from different looks that like other rappers and musicians have sort of done in their videos. Um, and I just tried to put my own little twist on it, you know? That's dope. That's super dope. Um, what were we to talk about? The red suit actually, I sort of got inspiration. Um, you know that, uh, uh, P Diddy song, um, with Biggie Smalls on it. And there's like, there's this music video that's like super popular of them. And it sort of looks like they're in this like futuristic, like super shiny and they're looking at this camera and they have, you know what I'm talking about? I can't remember the name of the song for some reason right now, but that's where I got that look from. I kind of just like roll with it. (laughs) Yeah. I love getting inspiration from either music videos or um, either TV shows even for sure. Yeah. that's super dope that you put that stuff in your lyrics because it will definitely make the visuals a one. For but sure, that was a good. Um, I'm glad you mentioned how Arch um, is really really cool, especially in terms of finding on social media. I'm like a. I don't know if anybody still use Tumblr, but I do. And I don't I, use Tumblr, but I thought about it before. Like I know they just have tons of really really content. really you very much shit because like the content on there, just like art, um, just pieces I would have never put together. Just the amazing creatives that you kind of find online is amazing. Um, but to kind of like reach off of that, uh, we know that art is at um, kind of really at the front of any and every social movement that we see going on um, in media today. Um, and also mentioned how um, last summer you did recite your poem um, at, was it a Black Lives Matter rally you were at? It was, yeah. 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 So the poem was titled The Three Don't You Dares. And mm-hmm. you were specifically speaking to the white people that were in the crowd. Um, we just wanted to know if you would tell us a little bit more about that experience and kind of how you see um, your music and kind of your platform you have um, being a rapper in Vermont, how that kind of like intersects with the social change uh, really what's going on in the world. Yeah. I mean, I did that. um, I think early in the summer, maybe it was like June. I can't remember the exact date. Um, I mean, it was like right after George Floyd had been killed. So the tensions were really high. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been involved with activism since uh, high school. I mean, a lot of the poetry stuff that I did um, really got me into like being a, a speaker at some of these events um, and just being a voice for the movement a little bit. Um, I've been sort of an on and off activist. I can't front and say that I'm out in the streets every day like the people who really are. Um, I like to take a step back and I think that like, I take a step back from going to rallies and, and going and, you know, marching with people going out in the streets so I can come back and really like, that's where the music that I write about, like black lives matter, police reform, like shit like that in songs, like I need that space so I can really process that information. Um, I did that poem and like, I worked with this group called the black perspective. They're, um, one of the Black Lives Matter groups in Burlington um, that started over the summer. And I worked with them all summer. We did some amazing events, but it was just a lot. So I stepped back and made, uh, made it a pilot. That's one of the songs off my last project. Um, I was super happy with how that turned out because I feel like it really encapsulated the, a lot of the emotions that I had been feeling that summer. Um, but I think that 
I could totally just make like club music or just trap music or like whatever and not really bring up anything having to do with Black Lives Matter or just race in general. But I mean, it's kind of stupid not like it's the elephant in the room, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's honestly ridiculous when a person of color that's a musician doesn't even dare to like touch on the subject because it's like it's so blatantly obvious that that's something that we all have to deal with um so i've just sort of been like i try not to have all my music be about activism work and uh what i'm dealing with as a brown latino man in america but like it's important for my predominantly white audience that is in Burlington for them to hear what I have to say about the issues so they can understand where I'm coming from. So, um, I don't know if I answered that question at all. Sorry. No, you did. I I forgot the original question. So I was kind of (laughs) rambling a little bit. I think there was two parts of that, that, um, I want to dissect just a little because as you know, being a black brown person in America period or in the world, like pursuing your craft, pursuing something that is not like a lawyer, a doctor or whatever is really a a form of liberation and for your own personal self. Um, And so I think that in and of itself is pushing towards, you know, building a better future for all of us Um, and using that craft to push for social changes. um, I think very important and also you know, sadly does also come with like a lot of responsibility and um, taking care of yourself. Um, but you, so you did mention, I, I was wondering like you and yourself, like I know just from at least what I know of your background, like you do live in between, I think this world of like being Latinx, being Latino and also being black. Um, and how, how do you, how do you, have you navigated that throughout your life? How have you learned about two different cultures. Um, and really, I guess the ultimate question is like, how do you identify when, you know, in these different situations and understanding how, you know, anti-Blackness might even be present in, is present in the Latinx community and how those conversations are different? I think that's probably one of the most complicated questions that I could be asked. Um, not because like, Oh, uh, not because I'm mixed, but because I'm a mixed person living in Vermont. Um, It's like so hard to explain what it's like living, growing up as a mixed person here. Um, Because, you know, it's majority white state. It's like the third whitest state in the country. Um, A majority of my friends are white and that's not really by like choice like obviously I choose my friends but like no matter where you live in Vermont you're naturally just gonna have white friends because they're fucking everywhere like um and I have nothing against white people I mean like I said like a ton of my friends are white I love and I'm I'm half white my mom is white like I have that whole white side but um it's really difficult I think that I'm I'm like one of maybe four Cuban people in Vermont too if there's any Cubans from Vermont happening to watch this, please reach out because I'd love to talk about <laughs> shit. But it's like literally me, my dad and my sister. And then like, 
I met this guy who works at like Home Depot like a year ago. <laughs> That's Cuban. Um, so the the Latin side of me, I haven't really been able to explore at all. Um, I joined uh, Alianza, which is this group um, at UVM. That's like a Latinx group. I joined them freshman, sophomore year. I can't really remember. Um, but it was, I joined, I joined Latinx and I joined a, like a pro black group at the same time. Um, it was really weird because I don't know, like the people that were already in the group, they had all come from out of state. Um, and I found it really hard to try and like connect with them because my backgrounds as a person of color, like were extremely different than theirs. Um, there's very little culture here, uh, for people of color, which is one of the reasons why I really like clinged on to hip hop at such a young age. Um, because it was just like this perfect, beautiful example of what like black and brown art can be, you know? Um, Obviously, I don't think like black people or brown people are just like only exemplified by hip hop music, but I think it's just like this perfect art form that really shows everyone like what we're capable of. Um, so I've always sort of like looked to it as a guide, look to celebrities um, or like famous rappers or famous black artists to sort of like guide me through it. And they've sort of told their own experiences in their music or their art that I've been able to like digest and understand and sort of try and apply to my own situation here. But sort of to answer your question, um, growing up a mixed person here, it's just really confusing. Like, I don't really know. Also, I don't really know many other mixed people here. Um, I have a few mixed friends, but there's like a black club and there's a latinx club but there's no like oh what is this middle in between like what do we talk about you know because we go like we hang out with our black friends talk about shit you know then we go to like our thanksgiving with our white families and talk about football like it's these two completely <laughs> different worlds um but i'm hoping to get out of vermont sometime soon in the next few years and just try and get myself into different environments where i can learn more about my history and what my skin color means to me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think you as a person, I can already see just off our first little encounter together that you um, are way, way, way bigger than Vermont. And I feel like what you've done for Thank Vermont you. and your the, um, the community that you built there is really, really amazing. But like the world kind of really needs to see um, kind of what you have to offer. So I do wish you well on Thank you. you trying to branch out. Um, but yeah, I do wish you well on that. Um, to kind of wrap this up, this has been a great quick little talk, but um, we want to know, or we want to, this is another two-part question, if it makes sense. Okay. But we know that um, following your passion um, with music can be extremely scary. Like Daniel said, anything that's not traditional, considered in our society, um, that doesn't have a specific pathway, is super scary for anybody to take a risk on because um, there's no correct path to take. Everybody's journey is completely different. Um, so 
we know that music for people is something that's an escape form, um, especially for me and Dan. It's something that you kind of use to like silence out the world. And it's a way that we kind of got the name of our show is to say above the noise. So we wanted to know, um, one, what are some songs that you could probably think off the top of your head that help you stay above the noise? And then the second part, um, if you don't remember, I'll say it again. But do you have any tips um, for p- young people or people around your age who want to um, pursue their passion in music or poetry as well, writing? Okay, I'm gonna answer the first one. Okay. And then you're gonna have to remind me of the second question. I repeat. So I don't go on another ramble. I repeat. Okay. okay. Songs that are above the noise. That will kind of help you, like a song that you would think of that kind of just like, I need, you know, I'm having a rough day or a day where I'm just not me. What's the song that puts you back on that that track of like, I, I know what my purpose is. I kind of like know what I'm doing today. Okay. So. Let me think about this. Okay. <laughs> I listen to a lot of different types of music. Mm-hmm. I primarily listen to R&B and hip hop. Um, some of my inspirations that like my favorite albums of all time, I'll just say I have them up on my wall on vinyl. Late Registration by Kanye. Okay. I think that's my favorite hip hop album of all time. Anytime I'm like, Oh, I don't I like anytime I lose sort of my my confidence or my swagger, like how I go about like my umph on tracks, I listen to that and it just gets me back in the zone, you know? Um Because of the Internet by Childish Gambino. I fucking love that album. He's my favorite artist of all time. I sort of like I take a lot of similar creative direction from him. Um Atlanta, I don't know if you've ever seen it, one of the best shows of all time. Absolutely. Um, R&B-wise, or just, like, if I'm in my bag and I need, like, some good loving, I love Raven Lene. Like, Raven Lene is my girl. I fucking love Raven Lene. Do you want to know a huge funny story? I do want to know a huge funny story. (laughs) Raven's from Chicago, right? Yeah. And and, I don't know what grade we were in, because, like, it's... This like weird thing. I don't know if this happens in other cities where mm. Chicago is very, very small. Like we know yeah. everybody here. So in like high school, it was really weird. Like everybody knew everybody. So I had I used to have like kickbacks at my mom's house or whatever in the basement. <laughs> and like people used to talk about like, in the basement. Yeah. In the basement. Like, I know, about, some, I know about, you know, yes, literally. But Raven, um, me and Raven used to be really, really cool when I was in like eighth, eighth grade or probably really? like, uh, freshman year of high school. Yes. My sis came to one of the basement kickbacks. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, but I, I love Raven. Everything she's done with her career. I'm so huge, jealous. Huge man. She's my celebrity crush. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to, <laughs> I got to tie some strings together real quick for you. I'll see what I can make happen these days. Hit me, hit me. That'd be the best. <laughs> that that would be what would blow my career up. <laughs> okay, for sure. We'll a celebrity, a celebrity relationship. That's what I need. Yeah, that's what you need. That's the PR you do need. The yeah. second one, the second question was any mm-hmm. tips you have for um young people or people around your age who want to pursue their passions in their respective fields. Um I mean, obviously, just stick with it, you know. Um, I think that I didn't start making good music until about a year ago. Like, I've always made music that, that I've been happy with and I think is good. But, like, my last project that I put out, I can really say, like, oh, 
it's beyond just like, oh, I'm proud of what I did. It's more of like, oh, I could see this being played at a fucking club or like, like what I got out of this project, even though it hasn't really blown up as much as I'd like it to is I've been getting people from all over the world you know, my very small amount of listeners, like my small amount of fans, but people that I've never met that are like, I really, really like this. Like, this is as good as some Amine track, or this is as good as some fucking like ASAP Rocky shit that I've listened to before. Um, I think that like, and obviously I'm going to get better, you know, I'd never stop getting better, which is one of the things that you really have to remember. Like, if things aren't going as good as they, as you want them to at the moment, time goes by really fast, but it'll happen sooner or later. I have no doubt that like, I've already sort of made a couple really good songs that I'm like confident could be hits and they didn't get the attention that I think they deserve, but I have no doubt down the line, I'll just make more hits bangers that like, I know will get the attention that they need. So I'd say any artist, like stick with it, but don't be discouraged. Like if it's not working out in the time that you want it to, because if you just stick with it, it'll eventually happen. I also think, um, don't ever feel any sort of shame from taking ideas from other artists. You know, um, what do they say? Like copying someone is, or plagiarism is the highest form of a compliment. Um, obviously, you don't want to necessarily maybe be like another Travis Scott or Young Thug clone because there's a million of them, but don't be afraid to take ideas from Young Thug because he is a fucking genius um, or whoever, Smino or fucking J. Cole because like all these people have really good ideas. Then just be confident in who you are as a person and your character that you have and then take that energy and apply it to what already is a model. Like rap music hasn't been a lot around for a really long time, but it's been around for like a few decades now. Like there is some sort of formula to it. So I don't know. I think you put in enough work, you bring who you really are to the table. It'll just naturally work. And that's in any form of media, film, visual, whatever. That was good to hear. I think something that we need to do in general, which like I think I practice, I try to practice every day, is to like be your biggest fan. And, yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, people will always jump on when you know when it's the award or when it's like, oh, you got that job or yeah, you got this, you got that, and that's when they become fans. But if you're not your number one fan, believing that you know, I, it was good to hear that you're like, I have made songs that are hits. Like yeah. it's good to hear that. And I think that's something that needs to be normalized across the board with people that pursue music. Um, also, I'd say be your number one fan, but then also definitely listen to who your actual number one fan is. Like my mom is my number one fan. <laughs> and I think a lot of people's moms are probably their number one fans, you know? Um, and you can think like, I, I'll be out at a dinner with her, with her friends. And she'd be like, oh, listen to this song my son made. I'm like, oh my God. But like, you know, I can't hate on her. Like she knows what's right. Like your mom knows what's best. So if she says that you're killing it and you're gonna be doing good in life, 
she knows what the fuck she's talking about. <laughs> so, um, just to wrap up, tell the people where we can find your music, where we can follow you on Instagram, on Twitter, anywhere, any way that we can support yeah. um, your, your craft. So I have a website. It's www.ravonc.com. That's R-I-V-A-N-C.com. Um, I am the only one that uh, creates the website. So it's a little bit behind. <laughs> like I was saying before, like, you know, if you want to be the best at everything, it takes time. Um, so you can go there to just learn a little bit more about me and follow my socials there. Or you can go directly to my Instagram. It's Ravon Rules. Um, I would say my biggest thing is please follow me on Spotify. I've learned that if someone follows you on Spotify, it actually like gets you put on playlists more and like gets other people listening to you. I've had to do mad research, but I found that's the most important part. But my music is on all platforms. It's on Tidal, you know, Bandcamp, Shazam, like all that shit. So I'm pretty much anywhere. And there's not a lot of other Ravon, so it's not too hard to get mixed up with. You are one of a kind. I'm one of a kind. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much for tuning in. To keep up with everything Above the Noise, give us a follow on Instagram at Above the Noise Official and on Twitter at Above T Noise. All of the music featured in this episode is credited to our good friend Rivan C. Make sure you listen to his latest project, I Got the Juice, which is available on all streaming platforms. See you soon. But in the meantime, make sure you stay above the noise.